Thank you, Taylor. Every step I take is a step of faith. Did you hear that? Amen. Amen. Well, you know, our church is an international church now. We have uh, a, a family in Bulgaria. We have another family in Nigeria now. Bose's father and mother are in Nigeria. Can you believe that? So we have ambassadors there. Uh, and praise God for them. And those who are traveling, those who are on vacation. This is vacation time. And we miss a few, but that's okay. Next, the next two weeks, you'll, you'll miss me too. I will be going with our family on vacation. We'll be going effective next week. But this will all pass away and we will reconvene all together and enjoy the Lord all together. Speaking of Lorraine, Dean mentioned Lorraine. I thank God for her. I, sp- I spoke with her, and she said she is doing fine. And I asked her son, Jim, about her today. He said, you know, Mom is getting cranky. That means she is feeling better. Right, Jim? <laughs> she might hear it. You're fired. You're finished. I'm sorry, Jim. <laughs> But she'll take it on me, don't worry. I, I miss her. I miss her critiques. She comes to me after every Bible study. She says, Adel, this is wonderful. And I enjoy her. And when, I, when she has something to say, Adel, you forgot to do this and that. I say, okay, Lauren, next time. But we enjoy her very much. I enjoy her. I miss her. I miss Walter. And that shows the power of prayer. I'm going to speak about that today. What God can do when we trust him with our situations. Let's open our Bibles today to the letter of Paul to the first Thessalonians. And chapter 5, this is a favorite of Bill Murray. And uh, I am going to go through it. Let's start from verse 12. First Thessalonians 5. 12. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instructions. And that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. And we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all men. See that no one repays another with evil for evil. But always seek after that which is good for one another and for all men. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you 
entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass. Pray for us, brethren. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I challenge you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The grace of your Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus, be with you. Amen. This is an encouraging, an encouraging portion of the scripture. Uh, in fact, the letter to the Thessalonians is, a, is an uplifting letter. And uh, I enjoy uh, the whole Bible. Thank God for that. Well, I was thinking of those few verses at the end where Paul writes, Verse 25. In verse 25, look what he says. Pray for us. Actually, earlier, and he says, pray without, everybody knows it, seizing, verse 17. So, twice within that message, he asked for prayers. And today, I want to talk about the basic elements or ingredients, if you will please, of a growing church. Of a growing church. And these elements I'm going to take from verses 23 through 28. And I, I want to uh, give a statement of our faith first. Uh, when I wrote this, I looked at it, I said, Wow, this is a statement of faith, but I'm going to leave it there. And uh, we, as a church of God, meet in this building as a New Testament church. Redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our head is the Lord. It's a reminder. Our head is the Lord who controls our activities. To make the church's decision and direct us in every department. We have no foreign board overseeing us and no denomination to govern us. We gather in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and are called believers or, if you will please, even better, children of God. And we are proud of that. We depend on the Bible in our daily lives and seek God's will in carrying the great responsibility of spreading the gospel to all people. Do you think that somehow describes us? Amen. We gather in simplicity as the body of Christ and endeavor to live a life worthy of our calling. There are many churches like us and thank God for each and every one of them. And we thank God for those who dedicate themselves to the true teachings of the Lord. And Bill MacDonald once wrote uh, about that. He says, interestingly enough, 
This is being done by Christians all over the world today. If we mirror ourselves and thank God for this writing, with no guidebook but the Bible. Keep that in your mind. And keep that, that the title of the message, the basic elements of a growing, for a growing church. He writes, with no guidebook but the Bible, they have, these churches, found these principles to, the divine, to be divine and have followed them in spite of reproach and slander. They own no head but Christ. No fellowship but his body. No headquarters but his throne. They seek in true humility to witness to the unity of the body of Christ. In their fellowship, they seek to provide a sanctuary for true believers who are oppressed by modernism and related evils. There is no directory on each on earth that lists these churches. I like that. You know who holds the directory? The Lord Jesus Christ. There is no directory on earth that lists these churches. Nothing on an earthly nature to bind them together. Their only unity is that which is formed and maintained by the Holy Spirit. And they are content that it should be so. Think of that. Of what God has given the church to be. I hope, we hope to be that church that God talks about. And I want to talk about some ingredients this morning. I might not cover them all. We have to finish on time. The very first ingredient that I saw in this portion that Paul writes about is found in verse 25. Prayer. Prayer. Brethren, he says, pray for us. And he says in 17, pray without ceasing. Is prayer important? Amen. Why? Because when Paul says pray for us, the giant, the one who wrote many epistles, the word of God, he says, pray for us. What should we say ourselves? Is this ingredient existent in our life? And this is, I say, is very essential. If you think, or anyone thinks, that they can go without prayer. His success, Paul says, depended on you praying for me. If, I stand, if I'm standing in front of you here this morning, it's because you've been praying for me. I know many pray for me, and I thank you for that. I wasn't feeling well last week, but I'm good now. I'm feeling well, and thank you for your prayers. You see, prayer is an essential ingredient and for our vibrant faith and for the growing of the church. Paul is also noted to have sounded this appeal to many other churches. If you read his epistles, you can see he always appeals to them for prayers. Take Romans, take Ephesians, take Colossians and others. And the Lord Jesus said, you know what he said? My house 
shall be called the house of prayer. This is the house of prayer. Therefore, the prayer of a man whose heart is right with God works wonders. The Bible teaches us in James 5.16, and it's easy, I, I borrowed this from the, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. If one prayer has changed the prayer of Elijah, has changed the windows of heaven, stopped rain for three years. And when he prayed, what happened? God opens the windows to open the window, and rain started coming. If a prayer of one man, how be it then a prayer of 40 or 50 men gathering together to pray and to lift their hearts for the needs of the church. If I succeed this morning to draw your attention to, the, to prayers, then I would say it, it's a good preach. If I succeed to awaken each and every one of us to the importance of prayer in our lives, I would say we have succeeded. Because it is the cornerstone of every church. And without it, that church is empty. The church was founded on prayer. When God wanted to start His church from scratch... We see God starting using his people immediately after his departure. What do we see in Acts chapter 1? If you will, open, open it with me. It's like Bible study, you know. Verse 14. Acts 1.14. I read it. The disciples and all the Friends and Christians at the very beginning, these all with what? One mind. Were continually devoting themselves to what? To prayer. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And they were, in, in verse 15, say, about 120 persons who were there praying. When he wanted to start, immediately after he left them. And we see later on that the church started learning about prayers. Because he taught them. They watched him in Gethsemane. The disciples. And though they slept that day, or that evening, yet they woke up to find out that their lives without prayers will be powerless. Peter, when he was taken and they decided the authorities to cut his head, what was the church doing? And the church was praying for him. In Acts chapter 12, verse 5, if that church was praying for him in one unit, in one accord, 
in one mind. And what happened when the church prayed for him? I want to, I want to challenge you this morning. What happened when the church prayed? There was what? An angel at night. He woke him up nicely, silently. Yes. Uh, out. I am accompanying you. Let's go out. He opened the door of the prison, the gates of the... And he was out. Why? As a result of prayer. Do you think we need this ingredient in our church? Do you, see, do you think we miss it? I do. We have a prayer meeting. And we come to the prayer meeting. But so many times when we have a dinner, we have more people, more men than we have in the prayer meeting. And I ask every man to come and join us in prayers. Because the prayer, a prayer meeting, prayers support the church and makes the church. It's an ingredient. It's a basic ingredient for the success of a growing church. When Paul and Silas went in prison, what happened? What were they doing? They were praying and singing. Have you heard any, if you visited any prisons in your life, that the, uh, the prisoners are singing and praying? Thank God for some of them. They got saved in prison. But they were singing and praying. And what happened as a result of prayer? Like the place was shook. It's like an earthquake. And the gates were open because God interfered. Interfered. And guess what? God answered their prayers. Can God answer the our prayers as a church. Masculation. Jessica is here because of the result of our prayers. And she's an encouragement to me. I told her today. She's an encouragement that God is hearing my prayer. When we pray for a sick person. When we pray for someone who goes into surgery. We prayed for Lorraine. And you know. It was a very, very important surgery. God Got her through, and she can't wait to come to church. Sally got the same surgery, open heart. She's sitting at the chair there, and she is in good health. Why? Thank God. Thank God for the prayers of her brothers and sisters. Thank God for your prayers. If you need a, uh, this church to grow, we need to pray. And we need to pray more. Preaching becomes powerless without prayer. A church that makes little of prayer, let me tell you this, will never grow. But a church that gives uh, the best meeting for prayer, that church, God will grow. So how are we? Let's mirror ourselves. Let's mirror ourselves. How is our prayer life? And it's not enough in church. Say, okay, I'll go pray every Sunday. God requires us to pray every day. And when he says, when the Bible says, let me, let me draw your attention to verse 17. Pray without what? 
ceasing. What is without ceasing? Non-stop? Yeah. Well, Adol, can we be, can we go to, to, to work on our knees every day? We'll be like midgets going. No. In your heart. You use what? Close your eyes and pray. Open your eyes and pray. You drive and pray. Wherever you are, let your heart be in contact with God through prayers. And remember that we need to be in prayers. When our prayer life is, is rich, God will bless us more. God will answer these prayers. God answers prayers. God answers prayers. And what brought the old church, the early church, through all the problems and afflictions, what brought them through all this and got triumphantly. And guess what? We are the results of them. They did not suffocate and die, but they flourished and continued walk with, uh, uh, winning people for the Lord every day. First, first, first day, first day God gave them as a result of prayer, 3,000 people. Can God save people? Let's pray. And I invite every man and every woman, every man. We have a prayer meeting every Monday night. And I'd love to see every man there in the prayer meetings. Because this is the most important meeting of the church. Of course, the breaking of bread, remembering the Lord, is very, very important. It doesn't take any, nothing takes precedence over that. But the prayer meeting this church was founded on prayer meeting, if you want to know that. Those who were with us at the very beginning were started three people praying. Then four, there five. Then we are about 40 men praying now. I'd love to see them all coming. I'd love to see that. And this is the main ingredient of that. I have a story I read, and it affected me about prayers. I want to read it to you. Five young college students came from outskirts of London to spend a Sunday in London, and so they were anxious to hear some well-known preachers in churches other than their own. They found their way on a hot Sunday to Spurgeon's Tabernacle. While waiting for the doors to open, a stranger came up to them and said, Gentlemen, would you like to see the heating apparatus of the church? They were not particularly anxious to do so on a broiling day in July. But they accepted the invitation. This is very nice. They were taken down some steps and a door was thrown open and their guide whispered, There, sirs, is our heating apparatus. They saw before them 700 souls bowed in prayer, seeking a blessing on the service about to be held in the tabernacle above. Seven hundred knees. Their unknown guide was Spurgeon himself. Then are we, the storyteller, are we surprised that Spurgeon's sermons are still in circulation today? It wasn't Spurgeon as much as the power of prayer. As the prayer, the apparatus down, the broiler room. May the Lord make this blue, blue room there a broiler room for the church. And every household a broiler place to lift up each one of us for God to do miracles in our lives.
what is the basic ingredient ingredient for a church to succeed and to grow is the prayers. So I encourage you this morning to be praying for each other. Paul said, pray for us. Then he says in verse 26, greet all the brethren with a holy curse. The culture then, okay, when the brethren used to meet with each other, they used to kiss each other. And I'm not suggesting that to start kissing each other here, but <laughs> we have to watch it. And, but it was good. Like hugging each other. Like shaking their hands. Like in encouraging each other. And that showed that they have fellowship. The next point is fellowship. He says, hey, you should fellowship. And you know, we have, we have in Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 42, and this was practiced by the disciples. And they were, what they say, the, the, the verse there, Acts 2.42. They were, okay, let, let me re, read it for us so someone would know it here. And they were continually, continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Fellowship. As I said, we don't come on Monday nights, the men, only for dinner. As Mike once said, we come for fellowship. We come to fellowship with each other. And I'm glad and happy. We have a good fellowship in this church. Let's keep it going. The other night, Wednesday night, after about, it's, it's, be, it's about 9.15, we finished at 8.30, there were still some 50 or 60 people here talking to each other. That's fellowship. That's wonderful. So many people come to church, they can't wait through that door. Zoom out. Okay. Now, stay and fellowship. The next point is fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. Can we do that? And can we follow what the early disciples did? They had a great fellowship. They loved each other. And that's what a growing church should be. In fact, if the church is growing in prayer, it will overflow with fellowship. A growing church is known for its warmth. Mary herself. I'm not describing our church. I am saying what the word of God tells us. And in that fellowship, there is genuine concern for people. Not I'll have you in my prayer, brother. Or sister, I'll have you in my prayer. If there is a situation, if there is a problem, if there is a, an illness, we should... Feel with each other. With concern, he says. This is genuine fellowship. Jesus said, love one another. Do you think that, that's part of fellowship? Love one another. And that's as I have loved you. John fifteen twelve. He loved. And he had a strong fellowship with the disciples, didn't he? He shared with them. He was unafraid to share everything with his disciples. Even, he said, even, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and die. Oh, they, they didn't believe it. 
And do we have this fellowship? Do we have that concern? Do we have that love? These are the questions. The church is called also the family of God, isn't it? Don't we say we are the family of God? And the church all over the world should be called the family of God. Should be. It is called. But we should have that fellowship. And when I say the church is the family of God, do you feel that you are part of this family? This is the test. Do you feel part of your family or I'll come and attend church and get out of here? <coughs> Excuse me. Or you come here and you see if there's someone I want to love, someone I need to help, someone I need to pray with, someone I need to fellowship. So many people today. I have, I've, I've read an article. Many people, many people die from loneliness. Not in the church. We are not lonely here. Is anyone lonely here? Then if there's someone who's lonely here, then we're missing the boat. We are to uphold each other and love each other and fellowship with each other and support each other because this is a treat each other. You are so close together, he said, that you hug them and kiss them, says Paul. (coughs) And we do that in many ways. And I encourage you to continue that wonderful fellowship. Do you have this deep bond with the church of God? With your brothers and sisters? Do you feel that? If you don't, you need to do it. Paul warned the church in Corinthians. You know what he told them? 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be deceived. Do not. I will continue that. Do not, thank you, do not be deceived. Good fellowship supports, but bad fellowship, what does it do? Corrupts. We need to know who to fellowship with also. We need to watch who are our friends. Who do we go to? Who do we have dinner with? I'm not trying to restrict you. We live in the world. We have, we have jobs. We have to go out. We have to have lunches with them. We have, we have departments to de- deal with. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking in your personal life, in your Christian life. Who are your friends that you fellowship with? And now look at the verse. Do not what? Be deceived. Do not. Do not. Be deceived. Bad company corrupts good Morals, right? Are you in bad company? Or you are with good company? I thank God I'm with good company with all of you. I enjoy going out to lunch with someone of you. And I enjoy to spend time. And because this is good company and it encourages me. And I hope I can do to reciprocate that. Lord, the Lord said in Matthew 7, 8 said, A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a rotten tree produce good fruit. So watch yourself. Who are you fellowshipping with? Where do you spend your time? Your vacation? 
Where do you spend it? And are they affecting you? Do you think so many people think, well, I'm going to go with so-and-so because I can affect them with my Christianity. I have not found someone who, is, who affects others unless you target that person to give them the gospel and get out. Then live a life in front of them. But you know, the Bible is always right. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad fellowship corrupts Good fellowship builds. Good fellowship encourages. We need to have that good fellowship with each other. And don't, don't worry about being open. It will not hurt you. It will build you. I, have you ever heard of the saying, birds of a feather flock together? That's a saying that we have. And did you ever ask what it means? Did you ever sit down and ask what it means? Well, let me tell you a little story. I read what it means, okay? That might illustrate it. And someone said, one spring, a great many crows, we have crows a lot here. This is why we have Crow Canyon, yeah? Hey. Those crows began to pull up a farmer's, <laughs> a farmer's young corn. They came to the corn. The farmer loaded his shotgun. I like this farmer. <laughs> his shotgun and went out to frighten them away. Well, bang, he shot. The farmer fired at the crows. And hurried out into the field to see how many he got. <laughs> to his surprise, he found that besides killing three crows, he had wounded Polly, his pet parrot. So Polly was wounded. You can imagine how excited his children were when he came home with Polly in his hands. Oh, daddy, they cried. Who was the cruel person as to hurt poor Polly. Where was she, Daddy? Before the farmer could explain, Polly began to say, you know, she's a parrot. Bad company, bad company. <laughs> Did I illustrate my point? That certainly is the truth, Polly, laughed the man. Then explained to his children that Polly had evidently seen the crows in the field and had left the house. She was allowed out of her cage a great deal of time because they trusted her and had gone to join other birds. She had been among the crows when the farmer fired at them. You see, Polly was keeping bad company. Children, the man told them, and bad company is always dangerous. It's always dangerous. Who you are fellowshipping with. And our fellowship, the Bible says, is with the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You have that fellowship. 
Do you have that intimate fellowship? And the Bible, we read in the Bible, enter not into the past of the wicked and go not into the way of an evil man. Prayer and fellowship are great ingredients for the, for the church to grow. Time is up. But the third one, third thing I want to share with is the word of God. A church cannot grow without a word of God. A church that comes in and that doesn't have a Bible study is a church that is missing the boat. Now, many churches don't have Bible studies. And you know what they did? They left it to the members to go meet at home. And this, if there is leadership, they do that. But the place to meet is the church of God. And our Bible study, our Bible study is done here in, the, in this place. And Bible study is the word of God. What the, who, when you, we say the word of God, you know that we say Jesus? In the beginning was the word. And the word was? With God. And the word was? When we say we study the word of God, that means we study about Jesus. And the word became flesh. That is Jesus. And we saw him and we saw the truth in him. A church should teach the truth. When we teach the word of God, we teach the truth. People have substituted the word of God with other books now. He said, I charge you. I, here, what we read, number three. I charge you, brethren, pray for us. Have fellowship. I charge you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. What was the letter? The word of God. Everything he wrote is the word of God here. He says, take this letter and circulate it all amongst you. Study it. Study the word. Teach the word in season and out of season. This church, and I hope many, should teach the word of God and the word of God only. We do not teach denominations. Many elements today have been stressed and injected to churches to see a growing church. A church might have adequate facilities. Thank God we do. <laughs> Trained staff. Good material. Finances in order. Vision. And a great administration. But if prayer, fellowship, and the teaching of the word of God are missing, a church might grow, but it will not be the church of Jesus Christ. These are the ingredients that God wants us to practice. 
practice prayer. Good fellowship. And let's study the word of God more and more. And let's depend on the word of God. It is the final authority that we have. If it's not in the Bible, we will not practice it. Can you do that? If the word of God does not approve of it, I will not let it even touch my life. And that's why, how men and women, fathers and mothers and young ones, if you do not follow the word of God, you will lose your children, you will lose your life. But if you practice the word of God, and practice his presence through Bible studies, through fellowship, and through prayer, I can assure you, the future is yours and no one else's. Success is yours. Prosperity will be yours if you follow it. And when you follow it, that means you are being obedient to the word of God. What does it say? How did, they, how did they succeed in the past? How did they succeed? By prayer. Act, read Acts chapter 2. Verse 42. By prayer. By teaching the word of God. By breaking of bread. Which we do. We don't need to. This is this, is, this goes without saying. And by what? Fellowship. Paul is also writing to them the same thing in different verbiage. And may and he's writing to all the churches. If we mirror ourselves and see that we are lacking, I'm not saying we have reached. Don't ever say we have reached. I'm not. No one has reached. But you should endeavor to obey God and follow the word of God. By doing this, we will succeed. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayers. Father, we thank you for bringing us together. And we pray that these words of encouragement to us, that be somehow a, a wake-up call for each and every one. If, if we don't have a prayer life, a good one, a good fellowship with our brothers and sisters and the Christians in general, if we don't study and learn the word of God, our life will be weak. And we don't need that. We need you, Lord, to speak to our hearts this morning so we can experience a revival in our souls, so we can serve you best and honor you and live a life worthy of our calling. Dismiss us, we pray, in Jesus' name.